Hey everyone, Don here. Welcome to another episode of Friday Night Stripes. Uh, we're going to be doing another review episode today, as we do on Tuesdays during the season. Um, we've got a, a couple plays that uh, people have sent in, um, and then I'm, I'm going to go over a couple of things that happened in college over the weekend, just so we have principles that we're all thinking about. And where we need to be paying attention versus what the college game um, enforces. So, the first um, the first one we had come in um, was from uh, was from Steve. Steve, thank you for sending this uh, this play in. Um, Steve says this didn't happen to him; it happened within his association, and they talked about it at the meeting. And it's actually a really good one. Um, he gave me the play, did not give me the. Uh, the correct call so I, I had to sit there and, and make sure I knew what the correct call was I had it wrong on first impulse so let's go over it um, what we have is we've got um, a punt so the punts in the air uh, R9 muffs the punt at the R4 um, the ball rolls towards the goal line um, to prevent K5 from recovering the muffed punt R9 kicks the ball, um, the the rolling ball, and that's may or may not matter. The rolling ball at the R2, he kicks it into the end zone, past the end line, and out of bounds. So my initial gut was, okay, we've got we've got a, a muffed punt. Um, it, it a new force was added because you can't add new force on a um, on a muffed kick. Um, so new force was added by nine, therefore by R9, therefore R was responsible for the force, so therefore we have a safety. I got it wrong. So let's let's talk, let's go through step by step what happened and, and where we're gonna go. So the first thing we have is we have a legal kicking at the R2. That's obvious. Everyone's aware that you, uh, a player can't kick the ball off the ground. Um, so we have a legal kicking. Um, so let's talk about force. Um, 213.1, the, the bottom of 213.1 says, after a fumble, kick, or backward pass has been grounded, a new force may result from a bat, an illegal kick, or a muff. So, so far I'm right. Um, this, this kick was grounded, and a new force was added by the illegal kick. Let's read further down in the force rule. We get down to 2.13.4, and it says, Force is not a factor on kicks going into R's end zone, since these kicks are always a touchback, regardless of who supplied the force. So I forgot the very simple principle of a kick is a kick is a kick. The kick never ended. There was never possession, therefore the kick never ended. So... Um, what we have is the result of the play should be a touchback here. So now we've got illegal kicking at the R2. And this is where uh, we have to pull about five different rules together to figure out where the enforcement is. So first, what kind of play is it? Is it a running play? Is it a loose ball play? It's a loose ball play. So in for the, the basic spot should be the previous spot, except that we're talking about a potential post scrimmage kick foul. So let's make sure this is truly a post scrimmage kick foul. Um, 216 2H 
Uh, post scrimmage kick are fouls by R when the foul occurs during scrimmage kick plays. Yes. During a scrimmage kick play in which the ball crosses the expanded neutral zone. Yes. Beyond the expanded neutral zone. Yes. Before the end of the kick. Kick never ended. So that's a yes. And K will not be next to put the ball in play. Yes. So we have a post scrimmage kick foul here. So let's go on and find out where the basic spot for um, post scrimmage kick fouls are. This is 10 4 3. The basic spot is the spot where the kick ends when R commits a post scrimmage kick foul. Well, where did the kick end? The kick technically ended when it crossed the goal line. So is that the basic spot? Because if that's the basic spot, we enforce a foul from the basic spot. When the basic spot is the goal line, we're going to have a safety. So we got to make sure what else we got here. So we read down further and we get to 10, 4, 5. The basic spot is the succeeding spot for unsportsmanlike foul, a dead ball foul, a non-player foul, or when the final result is a touchback. So therefore, what we're saying is that the basic spot is the succeeding spot, which will be the 20. Okay, so there. The, now do we have, um, if the succeeding spot is the 20, are we going to enforce from the 20, or do we look at our all-but-one principles? The all-but-one principle applies when the team in possession causes a foul behind the basic spot. So who's in possession on a muffed kick? On a muffed kick, the team in possession is still K because no, the possession has not changed. And if you look in 2-34, that's the definition of possession. And a change of possession occurs when the opponent gains player possession during the down. They never, R never gained player possession, therefore... Um, the ball was in K's, quote, possession the whole play. So all but one principles do not apply. However, if we get to 10-4-1, I'm sorry, not 10-4-1, but rather 10-4-3. 10-4-3 says the basic spot is the spot where the kick ends when R commits a post-scrimmage kick foul. R fouls behind the post-scrimmage kick spot are spot fouls. So therefore, we've got a foul at the R2. We're going to force the foul from the R2, half the distance to the goal line. We're going to go to the 1. We've got first and 10 from the R1. So great play. Um, as it's always said, that, that kicks are, are where we get are where we get all our weird stuff. And it's because it's because weird things happen on kicks, first off. And second off, we've got a number of rule references that we have to work our way through when there are a lot of exceptions during kicks. So it's important to know where the exceptions lie. Um, remember your principles. Remember that a kick is a kick is a kick. A kick is a kick until it's possessed. So if ever a kick that's never possessed goes into the R's end zone, it's a touchback, period. And we're not going to have a safety coming out of that, no matter what fouls you had. Not That's not technically true. Um, the, you would have a safety if you had are committing a foul in their end zone. 
because that would be behind the basic spot. You go to the spot, it's the end zone, therefore you have a safety. So that's the one exception when you'd have that. It'd be weird to happen, but I'm sure it has happened. Again, those are all great um, plays to go over. Um, that, that There were a lot to bring in here. So Steve, thank you for bringing this one up. This one was was really helpful in, in clarifying a lot of different things that we had to uh, think about. The second one we're going to go over is a, um, is a good one. Um, so we've got an interception by B. Um, during the return of the interception, we've got a blindside block by B at the 50. Um, as the as B, B34, who intercepted the ball, enters the end zone, he's brought down by a horse collar tackle. So what's the enforcement? So we've got a couple things going on here. Um, R, no, I'm sorry, not R, B got the ball with clean hands. So they're always going to be able to hold on to this ball if they, they, depending on the situation. So let's talk about how they can work this out. So what's critical here is we have multiple fouls here. So we have... If we enforce multiple live ball fouls, we're going to replay the down. And B's not going to want that. So what's important here is to know where that horse collar tackle began. If the horse collar tackle began outside the end zone, then we've got a live ball foul. If that horse collar tackle began after the runner had entered the end zone, that ball is technically dead, so we have a dead ball foul. So it's going to be important to know where the horse collar tackle began, not where it ended. Um, because that's that's how you enforce horse collar tackles is where they began. So um, let's, let's go with the circumstance that the horse collar tackle began because the defender as the as B34 is reaching the end zone, he reached up and grabbed him to keep him out of the end zone. So the, the horse collar tackle began at the uh, one. So in that case, we've got multiple live ball fouls. We're going to replay the down unless B declines the horse collar tackle. Then they get to keep the ball, but now we're going to force that blindside block from where it occurred, which was the 50. So we're going to go back to the 15 yards to the B35, and it's their ball. However... If that horse collar tackle began, if, if the runner had entered the end zone and and the tackler reached up but didn't get to him before he the ball crossed the plane, that ball's dead. So we've got a horse collar tackle, dead ball foul um, because the ball's dead. So then what's going to happen is we're going to go enforce the blindside block from the 50, it's going to go back to the 35 and then we're going to force the dead ball foul, the horse collar tackle from the 35 and it's going to go back to the 50. So in all cases, B can keep this ball. Um, it's just a question of where that enforcement's going to happen. So I thought it was good to, to make sure we broke down that there is a distinction there between a live ball foul and a dead ball foul, depending on where that horse collar tackle began. And I thought that was a good one to, uh, to make sure we got right. To be clear, if the tack, if the horse collar tackle occurred after the ball was dead, it's no longer a horse collar tackle because 
A horse collar tackle is defined as a tackle against a runner. If the ball's dead, there's no longer a runner. Now, you can absolutely have a late hit here. You got a personal foul, late hit, and that's fine. Um, the enforcement's the same either way, but that's what it's technically going to be. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to a couple things that happened in in college over the weekend. And really, we're not going. I'll talk about the specifics, but really, I want to talk about the principles behind them. One was uh, a couple issues with clock management and did clock the clock run out and things like that. Um, I, I I'm not going to go into the details because it happened two or three times this weekend. But I do want to talk about a specific case that happened to me where I handled it incorrectly um, and where we got to get it right. Um, and, and this is, this was, I handled it incorrectly because I was a less experienced official, did not want to go up against the referee. Um, what happened was we had a, a play, we had a run, we're, we're at the end of the half, end of the first half, clock's ticking down, we've got a run, runner is tackled, I see, I, the ball is on the other side of the field from me. So I've got cleanup action, but other than that, I don't have a ton. I don't, I don't have spot. I don't have anything. Um, I see the runner go down. I flick my eyes at the clock because it's within my view and there's one second left. I flick back and flick back to the clock and it's at zero. The, the referee whistled it down and then whistled for halftime. And I was waiting. What I was waiting for was I was waiting for him to look for help. Um, he did not. Therefore, I did not offer it. And that was my mistake. I had critical information. I had the ball definitely being down where the clock should have stopped because it was um, it was out of bounds, an out of bounds play. Um, and I had time on the clock. So I mentioned that the referee this at halftime. I said, hey, this is what I had. I, I saw the play go out of bounds. I saw the covering official go up with his arms, signaling that the play was dead. I flicked my eyes at the clock. There was a second left. Um, I saw you signal into the half, so I just let it go. He's like, no, if you know you were right, then come in, tell me, and let's put a second back on the clock. Um, and, and that's what we have in, in high school is if we're, in, if we're in a place that we can affect a change that is material, and this was material because it was, it was within scoring distance. Could they have attempted a field goal? Sure, I think they could have. Um, it was material. So I, I needed to come in and talk to the referee at least and provide additional information I had. If he chooses not to act upon that information, that's on him um, or her. But that's uh, that's the information I had. So I needed to come forth with that. And that, that's what we all have to do is we have to be crusaders at times. And this was a time when I could have been a crusader and I failed in, in, in that uh, responsibility. The other one from the college game um, I wanted to bring up was there was a play uh, at the end of the Michigan State Arizona State game where the Arizona an Arizona State defender leaped over the center um, during a, uh, a game winning field goal by Michigan State at the end of the game. 
we don't have that now in college leaping is defined as a player not at the not at the last scrimmage goes in motion and leaps directly over the frame of a of an offensive player um and and by my view it was leaping and it was not called we don't have leaping um in, in our sport so so that's not something we would have called however we do have hurdling and and i've talked about the, the specific instance I had with hurdling on um, extra points in, in prior episodes, but it's worth going over again. Um, hurdling is an attempt by a player to jump with one or both feet or knees foremost over an opponent who is contacting the ground with no part of his body except one or both feet. So that's a lot of words. Really, all it means is that no player can jump over another player in a forward motion if that player is not touching the ground with anything but his feet. That's all it means. So if the player is on his two feet, you can't jump over him. That's hurdling. However, if he's got any other body part on the ground, you can jump over him and it's not hurdling. So situation I had was we had extra point and the team kicking the extra point at the snap would have all their linemen at the snap, go into four-point stance and, and crash towards the center. So they were trying to get low and block. And what the defense did is the minute they put the, the, the offense put their hands on the ground, they just jumped over them because they're nice and low now. Um, they never ended up blocking a kick, but the, the kicking coach wanted hurdling. And I'm like, coach, your players are touching the ground with their hands. Therefore, there's no hurdling in this instance. It is perfectly legal what they're doing. So if you don't want them to hurdle, if you don't want them to jump over your players, don't have your players put their hands on the ground. Um, I don't know that he ever got it. Um, this was a blowout. We, uh, the, the, it happened over and over, and the coach kept yelling for it. Um, the referee finally went over to the other coach, whose players were jumping over, and, and kind of said, hey, Games out of out of reach. Can you can you get your players to stop jumping over? And and they 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 stopped it that way. But there was nothing illegal about it. So um, so I just wanted to go over hurdling and how sometimes we think about hurdling only as the ball carrier, but you can have hurdling in other places as well. So that's it for the review episode uh, this week. Um, please send in any plays you got. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about them. I've got five games this week, um, four sub-varsity and one varsity. So I hope to have a player to myself coming out of those uh, five games. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'em Down by Flash Fluidy, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.